0: hello and welcome to vintage lesbians a personal journey of friendship and queer history where we try to set the record a little less straight i'm shan and i'm definitely gonna cry in this one i'm allison and i have no idea what's coming there are no trigger or content warnings for this episode and that information is here now for you right after the intro isn't that convenient it's so nice hey shan how are you My day was long. It was long, and it was exhausting, and I had to hold a baby down while a nurse put needles in her legs.
1: Oh, man. Um,
0: So that was rough. Uh, Why'd you do that? uh, Because vaccines are important. (laughs) That's true, they are. Everyone, get vaccinated. Twice. Multiple times for multiple things. Yes. I said twice as if to say, like, oh. Just get the two vaccines. Just just pick two, and you'll Mm -hmm. be fine. Um, My two are... MRSA, and... I don't think there's a vaccine for MRSA, and if you've invented <laughs> it, you need to tell someone. <laughs> and Legionnaire's disease. You're incredible. Thank you. I listened to a podcast about Legionnaire's disease earlier today, so it was at the top of my mind. But that's not what we're here to talk about, is What's it? What's the podcast? It was an episode of 99% Invisible. With starring Roman Mars? Roman Mars, a <gasps> man whose name doesn't sound real. He's so smart. We did just go to Podcon. We as did. We said before. Uh we if you saw us there and you're listening to us now, hi, welcome to our podcast. We met lots of nice people. We if met... we're talking about someone and you're like, "Oh, I met them. We're talking about you right yeah, now." Yeah, we are. We met so many cool people. We also made A really great marketing mistake. Um, (laughs) So if, if you took one of our business cards at PodCon, you'll notice that the website on the back of it is crossed out because we did go ahead and put a porn site on there. And that was a mistake. But in retrospect, it was the best thing that could have happened to us because everyone remembered our... us and our podcast don't go to vintagelesbians.com don't do it uh do go to vintagelespod.com or vintagelespod on twitter and instagram or at gmail.com and of course shout outs to leslie martin who designed our logo and our business cards though the mistake was mine for not checking not (laughs) leslie's uh leslie wanted to promote something i think yes be good to people including yourself What a great Leslie that is. She's so good. I love Leslie a lot. I love Leslie. Uh, We were bantering. That's what it says in my notes. Okay. Here, we're still in the section, banter, banter, banter. We're doing a great job. Our banter is quality banter. This is banter about banter. It is. And it's totally making it to the final podcast. It definitely, definitely is. <laughs> um, but I did want to say, like, putting a porn site on our, on our business cards, probably the best thing we could have done as a brand new podcast, because everyone remembered us. Justin McElroy told me he was delighted by us and laughed for 20 minutes. Oh, so, oh, my heart. And being that I have a tattoo on my body of a character that Justin McElroy fucking created, uh, that was nuts. I wasn't even there and I started crying a little bit when I heard that. I did cry on Justin McElroy a little (laughs) bit, but it's fine because I also, uh, I I talked to to Cecil Baldwin and Dylan Marin of Welcome to Night Vale about our podcast and they were excited about it and, like, everyone was just so sweet and kind Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm still kind of reeling from, I talked to the Smurl slash McElroy sisters uh, from Still Buffering and they were delighted and horrified by our beautiful mistake (laughs) and I got some very good reaction images of them they're very good we will put them on the Instagram I I did get to talk to them after that happened at the pizza party and without fail every single one that I handed my business card to went oh my god this is you and then we talked (laughs) about it again like I did I talked the thing about it is that it that really upset me is the porn site isn't even a good porn site. Yeah, I mean, it's, you could go to com and, and not see, like, actually see any porn. It looks like it's it's just, just links. GeoCities. Yeah, it does. It's a GeoCities website of links to shitty porn. Mm-hmm. Not that I clicked on any of them. <laughs> I don't know if the porn itself is poor quality. Anyway. I directed myself to that website while sitting in a cheesecake factory. Oh my! It's a very classy moment for me. Mmm, a cheesecake factory. (laughs) I'm very hungry and haven't eaten dinner yet. Let's get through an episode. Wait, I... Allison, (gasps) I forgot a very important part of our banter. Oh my goodness. I have a present for you. You have a present for me? Yes, but you can't take it home with you. You have to leave it here. Is it your cat? Oh, it's a fidget cube. (laughs) Hell yeah. So some of the things make noise, so just find the ones that don't make noise. Not this one. You can spin it, though. It's a... Not those ones. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna be good. (laughs) This is the nicest thing anyone's (laughs) done to me. And it's not sticky, so I can't accidentally get it in my hair or anything. Or your pants. (laughs) Or my sweater. Oh, gosh, what a tangled web we weave. So, Shan, who are we talking about today? We are talking about Edith Eyed. Do you have any idea who that is? All I know is what you texted me, which was that she is cool. That is an accurate statement. Have you heard of Lisa Ben? I have heard of them. Uh, all I know is that it's lesbian. It sounds like lesbian on purpose. It, it, it is on purpose. Lisa Benn uh, is Edith Ide's pen name. Ah. And it's an anagram of lesbian. Ah, wonderful. I like yeah. her already. Yeah, no, she's really cool. Um, she was a journalist, a songwriter, a performer, and an all-around neat gal. <laughs> That's what I want people to say about me. Not Allison. Real neat gal. Honestly, Edith reminded me a lot of you. Aw. And I think that's why I liked her so much. (laughs) That's so nice. There were a lot of reasons why I liked her so much, and I'm really, really excited to talk about her. Okay. She had this just like... Was she a dreamer? She was. Actually, she was a dreamer, (laughs) and she was optimistic, and she was a little naive. Okay. That's fair.
1: We all are in some places. Usually
0: cut out when I call myself naive in an episode. That's because you say it about yourself in a mean way. (laughs) Uh but like yeah. <laughs> she, you you both like admit to being naive, yeah. and like we all we're all naive in some. Places. It's naive in like a you know, in like a hopeful way, not in a yeah. stupid way. You're not stupid. Thank you. You're very smart, and I love oh, you. Oh, I love you. Hey, Shan. Yeah, you're not stupid. You're very smart, and I love you. So Edith, uh, she was born on November seventh, nineteen twenty-one, in San Francisco, uh, to parents oscar eyed and olive elizabeth colgrove now that's a name yeah i knew you'd like that name (laughs) i liked it a lot i also liked it which is why i wrote it out (laughs) in full (laughs) uh she was a housewife and edith was an only child in 1924 they moved from san francisco to an apricot farm in los altos california A 33-acre apricot farm, and they lived there uh, throughout Edith's adolescence. I don't know if her parents left it at some point. We'll get into their relationship in a second. Until you said the thing about their parents, I was going to say, that sounds idyllic as hell. I couldn't find much about her young childhood, um, but when she was in high school, she had a little crush relationship with one of her friends in band, who happened to be a girl. They, like, Mm -hmm. hugged and flirted and kissed, and... When her crush broke it off, Edith was very, very sad, went to her mom for comfort, and her mother interrogated her so fiercely about her girlfriend that Edith began to wonder if she'd done something wrong. Oh, no. And after that, she never spoke to her parents about her romantic life ever again. Ugh. I actually wonder if... um, I I think that she cut her parents off completely, because I can't find any mention of them after she moves out of their house. And Mm -hmm. based on... The little snippets of what I read, they were controlling and they were mean. The second part of the thing you texted me that I didn't want to spoil for our listeners was that she was really cool and her parents were really mean. And that it made me sad. And that it made you sad. <laughs> uh, and she... that makes me sad also. Hmm? That also makes me sad. Sorry for talking over you. Let's try that again. Well, when I said hmm and you said it again, that was what, that, that's what that was. And that also makes me sad. And now we have it three times. Does it, that sound insincere Let we do it a fourth time? No, don't, because you have it sincerely once, so let's just okay. continue. <laughs> uh, so she graduated high school in 1938 and then uh, went to college for two years. Her dream was to be a violinist in a symphony orchestra. Uh, she was pretty talented. She played the violin for like eight years. Um, but her parents insisted that she go to business school to be a secretary. Um, she wasn't allowed to argue with them, and... So she went and she learned to be a secretary and she was an excellent typist. She was quite fast and she worked uh, while living at home for a bit. Uh, She was paying a third of her salary to her parents in rent and quietly saving up money to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, Eventually she had enough money and she left uh, Los Altos and moved to Palo Alto where she was working at RKO Studios. And because she was worried about money, she also worked as a night nanny. RKS RKO Studios like a television studio, or... Um, it was a radio studio, and then it was a television studio, but it's now defunct, so it doesn't really matter. Okay. I was just curious if that yeah. would be part of her story. It's not. And she was a night nanny, you say. Yeah, she was Is a night nanny. that part of her story? No. Okay, just, just color. Like, she just worked her ass off because she didn't want to be in her parents' house. Yeah, and that's good why for her. I, and that's why I think she stopped talking to them after she left. Yeah, no um, kidding. Because they sucked. So she worked really hard to stay afloat, uh, and she had some pretty cool friends from what i can find out she had some friends in los angeles who she knew uh through a science fiction fan group cool and this was like 1944 45 she was a member of the science fiction convention society and allison yes she cosplayed did she she did cosplay in the 40s she did cosplay in the 40s there i have pictures of her dressed as tigrina and I have like her, her membership card from the society where she's written Tigrina, and it's like, oh, it's the best. She's a big nerd, is I the love thing. Her. She was a big, big nerd, and she was very cool. Anyway, uh, in in 1945, she moved from Palo Alto to Los Angeles uh, because she had this one connection. Like, and this was right after World War II, so this was a volatile time. And anything could have happened and she decided to move from Northern California to Southern California. Mm-hmm. Right? I think Palo Alto is also os- no, Palo Alto is outside of San Francisco. And Los Angeles is in Los Angeles, which is in Southern California. So you are correct. Neat. She's at her apartment complex in Los Angeles, sunbathing on the roof. Uh, when she met some of the other tenants of the building, a group of girls came up and laid out their towels and laid down, and they were just talking. And Edith said uh, that it they they Edith said that they didn't have any shortage of things to talk about, but they never seemed to talk about boys or breakups. Oh God, I hope this gets gay. And she just thought that was so refreshing, and decided to join the conversation. And one of the girls asked, "Are you gay?" Oh, he got gay. And Edith said. I try to be as happy as I can under the circumstances. Sweet, and... <laughs> sweet Edith. And they all laughed, and then they explained what they meant, and Edith learned that she was, in fact, gay. <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing coming out story. Right? She'd never heard the word lesbian before, and she heard it that day, and she didn't know that this, like, that this thing was a thing. Yeah. She well, just knew that she liked girls. Exposure was her mom yelling at her about it. Then. Right. So, that's her coming out story. I love that. Oh, that's so good. Um, They invited her to a softball game, and she went along, even though she says softball bored the tar out of her, which she admits is a very funny thing for a lesbian to say. Another thing that Edith and I have in common. Right? Sports. Softball. No thanks. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm an art gay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A fine art gay. (laughs)
0: I'm, like, an existential gay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Back to Edith. Okay. <laughs> um, about a week after she met uh, these gay gals, as they called themselves at the time, uh, they they went to a lesbian bar. And this is what she has to say about her very first visit to a gay bar. They took me down to a gay bar called the If Club. Uh, when we all walked in, someone was bringing birthday cake to one of the booths, and there were some girls there, and they were all singing happy birthday and tears came to my eyes, partly from the cigarette smoke. <laughs> and I thought, how wonderful that all these girls can be together. No, oh, that's so sweet. I've never been to a gay bar. Really? Yeah, I know, right? I live in Seattle. It's because I don't like, not, go to not bars. Not a single gay bar? Ever? I went to that one gay dance party in a straight bar where only gays were there. But no, I've never been to a gay bar. They're not that great, it's just still bad <laughs> like gay bars aren't that fun. I haven't been to that many bars period. That's fair because crowds and things yeah, I think I kind of eschew the whole gay bar scene because i don't I don't love the idea that the only place in public gays can hang out is designated gay areas. Mm-hmm. I do um, like the idea of seeing potential romantic partners and knowing there's a bigger chance that they're into girls that is that is a rad thing. Mm-hmm. But I also just find that most gay bars kind of suck, even the ones in Seattle. I've Mm -hmm. never really enjoyed myself there. 2019, are we post-gay bar? I don't know. I had an okay time at Neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) But at this point, I think every bar in Seattle is a gay bar anyway. That's fair, yeah. it's whatever. Um, I have, like, a planned aside in, like, two seconds. So I want to get back to Edith for just a second. Edith was very, very feminine. uh, And at the time, if you wanted to, like... Exude like
1: your princess. gay
0: galness, the trend was to be quite butch, like crop your hair close, tailor your suits, mm-hmm. wear suits. <laughs> yeah. Um real gluck type style. Uh but she just scoffed at the idea that she should be butch just because she was gay. Uh she said, I didn't do any of that jazz because I didn't feel like it, and darned if I was gonna do it just because everybody else did it. Hell yeah. And here I wanna stop and I wanna talk about me. Okay. Um, because Reading that particular sentence about Edith kind of hit me right in my guts and feelings areas, um, because this whole coming out transitioning thing has been really confusing for me. And I've been feeling a lot of pressure from a lot of places, mostly internally, to transition correctly or the right way. And I think I'm just done with that. I haven't taken tea in a while and I don't think I'm going to take it anymore. And I think that's fine. I don't feel the need to do anything else physically. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to. Cause like I'm me regardless of the meat suit that I have on. And this is the shape it's been in my whole life and it's how I learned to love it. And I'm, I want to get back to a place where I'm loving it and not fighting against it. And I know I'm gonna be misgendered for the rest of my life. Like I know that. And people can earn the right to know me well enough. Um I might change my name to something less close to my dead name at some point, but this is this is it, I think. Anyway, um, thank you. I, <laughs> I love the shan you are right now, and so I like that. me too and i've hated yeah. myself for the past two months trying to figure this out Aww. come come, hold my hand across the table <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. i told you guys i was gonna cry on this one um i'm okay it's just been really hard for a couple months um yeah i have not felt okay uh for a little bit here mm-hmm. um i have not been taking care of myself or treating myself very kindly, because that's what I do when I'm angry at other people—is I take it out on myself. Mm-hmm. That'll um, show them, <laughs> right? But I need—I need to forgive myself. I need to move on. Yeah. Anyway, being queer is eschewing social norms, <laughs> and that includes the norms that people usually go through when they transition. You can be—I know, be I know that intellectually. Whenever we I know to. that all intellectually, but like, there's yeah. so so little still. For me to actually see, so I am doing this alone. Like you're here and you're supporting me, and my other friends are here yeah, and they're supporting me. But I'm not me, actively like, transitioning. You're not actively transitioning, yeah. and you're and and I I don't I don't see other people transitioning in the way that I'm transitioning because it's a lot quieter, mm-hmm. um. And and less obvious, and I mean, it makes sense that I would see them less, but it's still it's it's hard to figure shit out. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to stop trying to figure it out and just live my fucking life. I have a hard time thinking of life as not necessarily like a journey or a story from point A to point B. I always am looking for a plot, but in reality, I feel like life is just existing and living. And sometimes there are story plots and sometimes there aren't. But if you just sort of treat each day as the story and the person that you're being, um, then I, it's probably a lot better and a lot easier than just constantly trying to find the next story arc, if that makes sense. So Edith, huh? Yeah, Edith's good. Also, Excuse it's me. pretty rude that my life isn't on some sort of path to a really nice tied up with a boat I ending. I know. Um, Wait five. I feel till chapter that it's five. pretty homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> Someone give me spoilers. Mm-hmm. So Edith. Uh Edith made a few more friends. She got invitations to gay clubs. She was asked to dance a lot uh, because a she was very feminine. So she would be approached by the more butch lesbians. Um, and she kind of, I think, reveled in that a little bit. Mm-hmm. She was real cute too. I have some pictures of her that we're gonna put up or that we've already put up. Um there are a lot of pictures of her. Like it's really exciting. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm having to pick and choose things. <sighs> <laughs> Anyway, um, even though she was going to gay clubs, uh, she was always a little bit afraid. She'd heard about police raids, so she sort of made sure that she was pretty sober all the time. She didn't want to get put in a paddy wagon and locked up just because she was a little too drunk to understand. Uh, She was in a minor raid once where police showed up, harassed a dude with long hair, checked everyone's names. um, And as soon as the police left, she got up and got her bags and she was going to go leave. And then one of her friends said, no, no, hang on. Wait half an hour, because sometimes the police lurk right outside, arresting the first couple people to come out after a raid. Hey, cool. Cool job. Hey, we're going to make your fun, fun place seem really unsafe and scary, and then arrest you when you run away. Two years after learning what gay meant, uh, and that she was gay, Edith was 25, and she was feeling kind of lonely. She was still working at RKO Studios, and her boss wanted her to always look busy, even if there wasn't that much work to be doing. Cool boss. Cool boss. Uh, he didn't want her like knitting or reading a book. He wanted her typing. He didn't care what she typed. He just wanted her typing. Uh, and she did have a few gay gal friends, as I said, but she was wanting more. She was feeling lonely. Uh, and being that she couldn't exactly walk around the street and ask around for other lesbians, she did what any young, lonely lesbian would do and wrote a magazine about it. Okay. I was going <laughs> to say just like sit in your room, just sit in your room and think real hard. Nope. Oh, okay. She wrote, she wrote a magazine it. A magazine. It. Uh, it was the first gay publication in America, probably in the world. Who knows? Uh, and she <laughs> called it Vice Versa, America's Gayest Magazine. That's a good name. That's a good name. That's a good uh, byline. She typed it at work, anonymously, with no return address. Uh, and she would, like, type each issue through two times with four or five pieces of carbon copy paper. Uh, and then she would have ten or twelve... Copies of each issue. Um, she there weren't duplicate machines. Uh, she couldn't make it. She couldn't make it more streamlined without making it known to other people what she was doing, and she obviously mm-hmm. couldn't go to a printer because it was gay. Yeah, illegal. Yeah, it was actually because printing mm-hmm. and distributing obscene material was legal. And obscene material. I know that it gay. Yeah, was deemed obscene. And the thing about this magazine is that it it specifically wasn't obscene. It was, it wasn't sexual, it wasn't dirty, it wasn't like a jokey thing, which was pretty much the only gay media available. It probably makes it even more obscene, showing that gay people have real lives and full characters. (laughs) The gay agenda is to have a happy home life. (laughs) this was in 1947 to 1948 that she was writing the magazine and every issue is available online. It's archived and I will send you the link to the archive, Allison, and we will definitely post it up on our Facebook and our Twitter and stuff. I looked through some of them and it's, it's, it's like stepping into a time machine, but it's also a little annoying that a lot of the stuff they're writing about then we're still working on now. It's been 70 fucking years. Um, (laughs) It's fine and I'm fine and I'm gonna get over it. No I'm not. Edith wrote almost everything that went into Vice Versa. She got a couple contributions here and there, but almost everything that went into it she produced. Essays, book reviews, stories, poems. She said it was writing that she wanted to get off her chest. There's one essay in particular uh, that I'll post in full on the Instagram because I can't copy it. Uh, That's so I'm why post they invented as, screenshots. Yeah, I'll post it as screenshots. Um, but one of the things that she said in that essay um, is, I venture to predict that there will be a time in the future when gay people will be accepted as part of regular society. Um, which is sort of true. Mm-hmm. It depends on what your regular society looks like. It depends on which like. society you're in. Yeah. Um, like my work? nobody cares yeah I mean they care like in nice ways yeah but they don't care like in so they can anymore. say like hey how's how are you and, and your wife instead of husband oh I like this future <laughs> that you just created for me oh it feels good doesn't it she wrote about every tidbit of gay that she could find in her world like if she watched a movie and there were two female characters and they had any little hint of romance she wrote fan fiction about it oh <gasps> yeah oh I love her yes you do <laughs> <laughs> Um, the first issue she mailed out to a few friends and then one of them called her and said, Hey, don't do that. It's illegal. Oh no. Yeah. Because mailing obscene material through the federal post is super illegal. Um, so she stopped mailing it out and what she started doing is handing it to her friends and she said, pass it along to someone else when you're done with it. Don't throw it away. Cause again, there were only 10 or 12 yeah, copies. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Um, she thinks that each copy of each issue was read about a dozen times. After the first issue, she had, like, four gay friends, and they all introduced her to a couple of people, and then she had ten gay friends, and they introduced her to a couple of people, so she was building her, she was building her family, she was building her, her, her group of people, and, like, her social life on her own, which That's is... amazing. Yeah. Honestly incredible. She created nine issues in total, and as short-run as Vice Versa was... It's credited with setting the agenda that has dominated lesbian and gay journalism for 50 years. Basically, they, she was using poetry and art and personal essays to spread political messages,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I don't know if she knew that's what she was doing. And 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 by the way, that little like I'm doing something really illegal thing—that's the naivete that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Because she didn't see anything wrong with loving other women. Yeah. Because there's nothing fucking wrong with mm-hmm. loving other women. Um. She talks a little bit in, in one interview that I read about being hurt when she would read uh, articles like pervert party broken up at such and such bar and there would just be like a list of names. And I'm sure that that added viscerally to her fear. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> like we don't get rated anymore and that's still... Gives me yeah, no, I'm like my the, mm-hmm. my hackles are up right my now. My <laughs> hackles are up. Uh, but after nine months and nine issues, she stopped creating. Vice versa, uh, partly because her job at RKO ended and her new job didn't leave her nearly as much mm-hmm. free time, and also because she'd accomplished what she set out to do.
1: She made she her had family.
0: Friends. She had her group of people. She had. She had a social life and she wanted to spend her time having a social life instead of writing about it. Honestly, just the fact that she decided, I don't have enough gay friends, I'm going to write a gay magazine so I make more gay friends, and then she fucking did it for nine months is incredible. That's amazing. And she's my hero. I love her so much. Like, that would be (laughs) like us now starting a podcast. (laughs) that's not gonna happen so, except <laughs> except like we're the first podcast mm-hmm. about any gay stuff and we're not anywhere near the first podcast yeah. about gay stuff and also it was illegal to talk about gay yes, stuff. yes and also it's illegal to, like
1: and what also would, what would the comparison
0: be right now i don't know if there is one no she was groundbreaking and like maybe if it was in a different country or something like that with harsher laws but not in america not I don't not think. in the u.s no just a real impressive lady. Yeah. She's so cool. Yeah. And we're known? not done yet. Okay. I was going to ask, is she known for anything aside from her magazine? She if it sure was is. just the magazine, I'd be cool with it. I'd be like on board. Well, you notice we haven't actually talked about Lisa Ben yet. Oh, I thought that it was implied that she no, wrote vice versa. vice versa was anonymous. Oh. Yeah. Um, Lisa Ben was born. Uh, in the 50s, when she began writing for The Ladder, which is the first nationally distributed lesbian magazine. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, which was published by the Daughters of Bilitis, who we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. They were a homophile group. Um, good intentions by the late 60s started. Yeah, good intentions, but they kind of, they, mm-hmm. did, they didn't want to keep up with the changing of the times. Yes. But in the 50s, probably super yeah, cutting edge very and very important. Um, that's where she created Lisa Ben uh the anagram for lesbian and she pretty much went by that pseudonym in public for the rest of her life even articles written about her she would uh, up until about 2002 is the last one that i could find she insisted on using lisa ben and she didn't want to talk about her real name even though it was published like it was public knowledge mm-hmm. that lisa ben and edith hyde were the same person and edith hyde is such a cool name it is it's got a lot um, of the same but, letters sorry that's not part of it it's not but she the, the thing is that she was concerned about the wrong people finding out who she was Honestly, I think she was worried about her family finding her because most of them had most of her family had died by then, um and if she wasn't in contact with them, she wouldn't have known. So that's it's my, it's an assumption that I'm making. I mean, it seems like a fair assumption based on what you've told me. Yeah, I I can't think of any other reason she'd <laughs> want to do it cuz this was 2002 and uh I mean, okay. I did read one article that mentioned that she suffered from dementia later in life, um, but not particularly debilitating dementia. So maybe that was paranoia as a common symptom of dementia, so that could be part of it as well. But it's this is speculation. I want to be clear. Mm-hmm. It's it just it makes sense that she would be trying to hide from her yeah. family. It might not be the only reason, but a factor. No, sure but I think a it's factor. certainly a factor. Um anyway. Lisa Ben was not her first choice for her pseudonym. Uh, at at uh, the latter, would you like to know what her first choice was? Uh, very much. Can I guess? Yes, I shouldn't have asked if I could guess. It's punny. Okay, g- g- girl, girl, g- girl, kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Did I do it? Um. So it's actually like kind of the opposite of that. <laughs> A boy, hit. <laughs> Can I just tell you? Yes, please. It's I'm a spinster. Uh, (laughs) That's very good. They wouldn't let her they wouldn't let her do it. They were like, No, you're to change it. Fun fact about me, one of my first NeoPets accounts names was I'm a cool. So we it's another thing we have in common. It's adorable. Yeah. But yeah, the, the the publishers of the latter they wouldn't let her go with I'm a spinster, even though she thought it was very, very funny. It's very funny, <laughs> and she went with Lisa Ben instead. Um, and along with uh, writing for the latter, they also reran some of her articles from Vice Versa, which is pretty cool. And she was also uh, a musician. Oh yeah, she played yeah. the violin. She sure did. She also played guitar. Right. And with that guitar, she wrote some gay parodies of a popular song. <laughs> nice. Nice nice nice. Do you have any examples? So, are you familiar with the song I'm going to sit down and write my I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter? No. Well, that's the title of a song, and she changed it to I'm going to sit right down and write my butch a letter, parentheses <laughs> and ask her, "Won't she please be femme? and parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> just like and it's it's stuff like that it's very very good um and she she would perform these songs at flamingo which was a club that allowed gay performances on sunday afternoons and she specifically wrote these songs again to create gay entertainment that was not profane or demeaning because most gay performers did just that to be accepted by straight folk was this in the 50s still Yes, so there was a club that actually allowed gay entertainment in the afternoons in the fifties. Only one afternoon a week. Okay, but yes, it's... there were quite a few clubs that allowed. Like, would they still get rated? Do you know? Or... Um, I don't know because I didn't look into it. But I love her integrity, and I love that she's like actually.
1: Yeah, you know, doing she's things that most queer like, people do.
0: Like why? Like why does everything gay have to be sexual or mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. It can be nice. You don't nice need and to make be... fun of yourself to celebrate yourself. It can be joyful, and it can be cute, and, like, just let us be cute. Yeah. Anyway. I want to write my butcher letter and ask her to be more femme. No, I don't. <laughs> that would be I pretty rude. <laughs> I want to be If anyone wants to date me is the point. We can get that part out also. Oh, I'm not cutting that oh, out. No. Everyone should date and She's fucking great. <laughs> Edith was kind of the darling of the homophile movement. She was very... Like, she looked like a stereotypical woman. So they loved Mm -hmm. her for that. Um, I remember when we were learning about Marsha P. Johnson that the daughters of Bilious were very much, at least in the late 60s, like, you should look exactly like straight people and prove to them that we don't need to be extra. Yes. Yes, that was the Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, So they loved her for that. And she, like, her music and the stuff that she did was family-friendly, basically. So they loved her for that. They called her uh the father of the entire homophile movement and 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 the first gay folk singer, which I don't think that's true. <laughs> maybe at Maybe the first openly mainstream Maybe. Maybe. No, I'm sure that there is openly gay folk singers beforehand. Have you I met folk singers? I don't know. We'll <laughs> I guess we'll just have to do more research. <laughs> Um, if anyone knows of any gay folk singers before the 40s, uh, hit us email up. Email us, and... tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us. We're on all of the things. Yeah, and we'll talk about it, unless they were a super racist. Edith worked in various secretarial roles uh, for the rest of her life until she retired. Um, she appeared in a documentary called Before Stonewall in 1984. Uh 1997, she was honored as a founder of the Los Angeles LGBT community. In 2010, the National Lesbian and Gay Journalists Association inducted to her inducted her into its Hall of Fame. Um, there is a, a, an award in, in her name. Well, it's in Lisa Benn's name, uh, but that's the name that she used, so that's okay. Uh, I haven't talked much about her love life, and there's a very good reason for that. She didn't. She didn't talk about it. She didn't share much about it. Here is what I know about her love life. Okay. She dated in her 20s, but she didn't really have any serious relationships. Her only long-term relationship was when she was 36. Uh, they were together for about three years. And she never named this woman, refused to name her until she until her dying day. So I do not know who it was. Well, this would have been in the 50s as well, right? Or the 60s? When she was 36. She was born? Uh, the... 21, 36, 57. Yeah. Okay. So it would have been dangerous for mm-hmm. her to name that person. Yes, but she still refused to name that person even in like 2002 mm-hmm. 2010 2015 when she was giving these interviews that i was pulling this from yeah she was just private was about private it person. um the reason their relationship ended is because her partner gambled away everything they had including rent money Ooh, yeah that's a good reason for a relationship to end yeah uh that she didn't, didn't have another serious relationship after that i'm pretty sure she was single for for most of her life she was single but I mean she, uh, was pretty happy. Um, there are a lot of pictures of her, uh, in her older, in her older years with her cats. She had 13 cats. That's too many cats. Is that too many cats? I don't think I it's don't want to be judgmental, but that's my first reaction. I don't think it's too many cats. I okay. think it's a good number of cats. Um. Did she have, like, a large space for them to I, roam? I don't know. She just really loved cats. Okay. She said one of her hobbies was adopting cats. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Oof. I think that's fine. I had a visceral reaction to that, but I'm still on board. Catch me in 50 years with 13 cats. <laughs> it's probably too many cats. <laughs> it's too many cats, though. <laughs> I feel like they probably would have been mostly outdoor cats. Mm-hmm. Just considering how, like, cat ownership has shifted. Uh, she died in 2015 when she was 94. Um, Dang, Edith. Living a full life. Yeah. Uh, there was no obituary, and her death went mostly unnoticed. Because, um, like I said, she didn't have a partner, she didn't have family. Her it makes family me was, very sad. You know what? It makes me a little sad too. But but she was also very private. She wasn't. She was very private, and she wasn't alone. Like it wasn't that no one noticed her death. It's that she didn't have people that she talked to every day. The last I don't know exactly. The last little bit of her life, she was uh, sort of conducting an ongoing interview with. Eric Marcus of uh Making Gay History um and he says that every time he called she would answer the phone with "Hello, Eric?"
1: Aww. because he was
0: the only one who called her. <laughs> oh. That but but like my she heart. was always cheerful about it. I I I want to put in a little snippet here of her um this is this is on the podcast Making Gay History. It's episode 3. It's the end of the episode. It's only like 15 minutes long if you want to listen to the whole thing I I really really think that you should. Um but it is uh I I'm just going to I'm just going to play it.
1: wear a mask on her heart, and live in a world set apart, a shy, secret world of her own. Here's to the days that we yearn for, to give of our hearts as we may. Love's always loved given despite what the others may say the world cannot dare to deny us we've been here since centuries past and you can be sure our ranks will endure as long as this old world will last so here's to a fairer tomorrow the world with a smile. The right one beside us to cherish and guide us. This is what makes life worthwhile. The right one beside us to cherish and guide us. This is what makes life worthwhile.
0: Now, I might be the one who
1: cries. Yeah um, oh my goodness it's so good
0: I'm not sure if that's a parody song or if that was an original uh, I genuinely don't know it doesn't say but it felt important to have it on the podcast and I wanted you guys to hear it in her voice and not just me reading her words because huh. I love Edith yeah she's really fucking cool <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing about her. Thank you for listening. Yes. Yep. Uh, that's gonna do it for us today on Vintage Lesbians. <laughs> Sorry, we're just crying. But... Hi. <clears throat> I love that she, like, didn't know what a lesbian was until someone said, hey, are you gay? And she thought, hmm, yeah, I am. And then 50 years later, they're like, thanks for starting the gay movement in Los Angeles. That's incredible. She changed the world and she didn't even know what she was doing. Mhm. She just knew she, she wanted just, to. She yeah, she her heart. just Yeah, exactly. She just she needed something to change. I think mm-hmm. we could all learn a little bit from Edith. So, next month is February. Next month is February, and we are going to be celebrating Black History Month. Yes, we are. Uh so all of the people that we are going to be researching and learning about will be black mm-hmm. uh, because we feel like it's important. Yes, and we're also going to talk about black people, not in February. yeah, but we' talk about them all the time, but this month, only black people mm-hmm. that's the point, so we mentioned it up top, but if you wanted to get in touch with us, you can find us on any social media platform of your choice at vintage, vintage les, les pod, pod. l a s p o d Do we have anything else that we need to say? You can follow me at uh, on instagram at just underscore a underscore shan. Or on Twitter at Shanancy. Or you could follow me at anything at Allison Humphreys. You figure out the spelling. You could also follow both of us. You don't have to choose. Please choose. Not. It's not like how I will fight you. Oh my god, why do you... You're going to move <laughs> in here soon. You can't say you want to fight me. <laughs> There's the next showdowns. <sighs> That's um, the worst. So be good to people, including yourself. Yeah, I'm working on it. Oh, you weren't talking to me. <laughs> I was talking to everybody. I know, I was making a joke. In the words of my good friend Leslie Martin, a great gal. Mm-hmm. One of the best. Hey Leslie, how's it going? Well, I miss you come back. Anyway, um here's to Edith and all that she did. Thank you, Edith. Thank you, Edith. Thank you for listening. Uh and join us again next Monday because we're changing our schedule again. <laughs> One of these days we're going to find a day that really works for us and works well. And It's going to be baller. I'm really hoping it's Monday. I think it's Monday. I feel good about Monday. So our last two episodes were published on a Monday. <laughs> Although one of them got taken down. <laughs> uh, also, thank you for bearing with us through the two weeks that we took off. Um, it, it's been really, really hectic and, and things have been rough for mm-hmm. me specifically um, that I, you know, talked about in the whatever. Um, we're going to get back to our, our weekly upload schedule. Um, and it's going to be great. Yeah. Just thank you for listening. Everyone who's listening. We are genuinely overwhelmed sometimes at the amount of yeah, just response absolutely. that we get. Uh, and, and we love you all so, so much. Yeah. That's it. We love yes. you. I love you. We love you. bye. Goodbye.